How we looking? Welcome back. It's hour number three of the Bill Michaels Show. Bill is off. He's off to the East Coast. Uh, and I saw pictures on Facebook. He took off long before I was awake. So I envy that he gets to start his holiday a day or two early. I don't envy that he was up at the crack of dawn and out of here. So I appreciate you listening. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. We have Drew Kelly to join us. Talk a little D3 football playoffs in the state of Wisconsin. UWL, you know, Bill had a longtime contributor, Lance Leipold, when he was at UW-Whitewater. So I figured, oh, what the heck? We had a guest on from Eau Claire yesterday. Let's let's speak with someone from lacrosse today. He's coming up and Mike Clemens in the final hour of the show. Right now, Paul Charchi in Guillotine Leagues, KFAN. Charch, I appreciate you. Happy Thanksgiving week. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks. You too. Nice. Uh, I like that you're just not, not going dark on the show. And who wants to travel? The Thanksgiving travels murder, right? The airports are all crowded. You know, you're lying to get through TSAs, a million people deep. Yeah, who wants that? No, thank you. My Rather travel is is perfect. Couple hours on 94 up to the Twin Cities to see some aunts and uncles, oh, Christmas and things. All right. That's perfect. I don't need to get on an airplane. I feel like a couple hours in a car every once in a while for the holidays is a good thing, but I don't need to be at the Milwaukee airport at, at 5 a.m. So we have, I mentioned aunts and uncles, we have three football games tomorrow. And if nothing else, football on Thanksgiving is a great diversion if you don't want to talk to your family, at least until you've yeah. had a couple of glasses <laughs> of wine or you've had some food. But none yeah. of these three games are, are expected by Vegas to be close tomorrow. That doesn't mean that they won't be. But these are not probably nail-biter matchups. Let's talk about some of the big fantasy storylines tomorrow and, and players and, and things that you're watching for in these three games tomorrow. Well, let's let's start with your game. Yeah. Let's start Packers, right? So Aaron Jones almost certainly will not play. I don't think he's been formally ruled out yet, but AJ Dillon's your you gotta be that's gotta believe that's gonna be your starter, right? Yeah, that's about it. I mean, they called up Patrick Taylor off the practice yeah, squad. The other sign. guy, their third string guy, hurt his shoulder in last week's game, too. So it's the oh. A.J. Dillon show, but that's been the case mm-hmm. before this year, and it hasn't amounted to anything. Correct. So three starts with uh, A.J. with uh, with Jones out. Dillon has, in those three starts, where presumably he's getting, you know, he's the man. He's never scored. He's never top 55 yards, and he's averaged 3.8 yards per carry in those games. Yeah. You know, he's just to all AJ Dillon is is a complimentary piece in a in a rotation of backs. That's it. And by the way, Lions run defense, you know, your listeners may not know how good they are. They rank number two in run defense by pro football focus. They're allowing just 62 rushing yards per game. That's fourth best. They're giving up 3.5 yards per carry. That's third best. No back is top 67 rushing yards against Detroit. And the guy who got 67 rushing yards was Austin Eckler. I mean, like, genetically, A.J. Dillon is closer to an acorn than he is Austin Eckler. Correct. So I am not optimistic about A.J. Dillon on that early Thanksgiving game. It's not a, not a great way to start your Thanksgiving is, is sitting on the couch and crossing your fingers that A.J. Dillon is going to get you something. Uh, there great, are better ways yeah, to start your holiday. Maybe That's Christian right. Watson. The thing is, he scored on Sunday, Charge, and we've been dying for weeks for that. I feel like we shouldn't bank on that happening two games in a row. No, because the volume's too low. But there is going to be a lot of passing. I mean, you know, the, the reason the reason to start Christian Watson is going to be volume, right? So you can't run on Detroit. The game script, Detroit's likely to get out ahead early. They're the better team with a great offense. And the running game's going to get game scripted out. And so we're going to see a lot more passing than we have in a while. And, you know, for, you know, for Watson, it's just, it's the volume's always so low. You just can't, you can't get productivity, fantasy, reliable fantasy productivity. And a guy who catches two and three balls every week, which is what he does. He's two and three catches every week. Hasn't topped 37 yards since week five. I just, ah, it's gross. I, I thought it's of just, you. Yeah. 
I thought of you last weekend because my girlfriend is in a work. She's not really a sports fan. She has a work fantasy league. It's 20 people in the league. And oh, one of geez. her top picks were, was Christian Watson. Another one was Nick oh, Chubb no. who got hurt. So we're scrounging the waiver wire. And we started Don. We, I say we, I was like, hey, you should start Dontavian Wicks because we're going to be watching the game and he might at least get some targets. And he got, I, I don't know, I think close to 90 yards. Smashing win for someone in a 20 person league who's, you know, yeah, picking that the is a big win. <laughs> the you know, he's wire. had for Wicks. He has had this is really hard to do. I mean, just think about the math behind this. He has had increasing yardage in seven straight games. Mm hmm. That's hard to do. Yeah. It's, you know, it's so, you know, the role, his role is certainly expanding. That's for sure. Uh, but the guy that impresses me the most, Jaden Reed. I mean, Romeo, I think, I think we've seen, a, we know what Romeo Dobbs can do and it's good. It's to me, it's not special. Jaden Reed, every now and again, you're like, whoa, yeah, that guy's got, he's got some juice to him. And I'm, I'm increasingly really interested in what his career path looks like here. Um, do you start him this week? I think I think you might. I've got you know I've got a I've got both uh, Dobbs and Reed with starting grades. I got love with the starting grade too. Again, volume, lots of passing coming in this game. Well, let's talk about the mid afternoon game. Washington is at Dallas. Dallas yeah. stomps bad teams. I don't know that Washington's bad bad, but they're closer to bad than they are to good. But your guy Sam Howell, who I mm -hmm. listened to you earlier in the year, I have him on some teams, and, and he's been good for me. That's a quarterback that a lot of people have been relying on. Can they rely on him tomorrow, or should they feel good about relying on him tomorrow? Yeah, you can against Dallas, right? So, you know, Howell managers, like you, we've been playing with house money all year. Yes. But it, it, and after a particularly good month, he took a, a step backwards last week against the Giants. Go figure. Man, I thought he was going to just rough up that team. But on paper, this is the toughest matchup of his entire career coming against Dallas tomorrow Dallas got destroyed by the Niners earlier this year but every other game Dallas is allowing 168 yards per game passing and one touchdown that's it they rank number two in pass rush and the real and, and that's just going to be a killer for this team you know here's poor Sam Howell he's already absorbed a league high 51 sacks you know he's gone so far backward he's he's lost a fifth of a mile in sack yard I saw you tweeted that that's, I mean, poor guy. He's just getting obliterated, you know, and here comes the Cowboys pass rush. Oh man. I'm just, I'm, I'm worried for Sam's. He might die on the field. He might, he might. And at the very worst, you know, he could, he could throw two or three picks to boot, which would kind of negate any, you know, if he gets a little bit of production, but Duran right. Bland picks him off, you know, two times, all that production goes backwards and, and out the window, the night game tomorrow, this would have been a more appealing game a month ago. This is what I said earlier, San Francisco at Seattle a month yeah. ago when we had some questions about San Francisco and and before Geno Smith is, has had some bad games and been banged up, this is a more appealing game. Charbonnet's workload is going up, which is exciting for maybe m managers who've waited on him. But now he's got, what, the Niners and the Cowboys and, and a bunch of stern defenses coming up. Yeah, that's right. Kenneth Walker not expected to play in this one. So rookie Zach Charbonnet gets the start here. And, he, and you alluded to this. He had already led the backfield in snaps for four straight weeks. So... You know, the shift was kind of coming on anyway. Walker dinged up in the middle of the season. And the problem is it's twofold. Number one, Charbonnet honestly hasn't done that. hasn't looked that great. I, I thought he'd look better than this. Last week with Walker knocked out of the game, he got a career-high 15 carries. But Charbonnet did nothing with him. He had 47 scoreless yards. And this is a way tougher matchup against San Francisco. Last four games, San Francisco's only allowed one running back to reach 40 yards. 
And Charbonnet can catch, but no running backs top 30 receiving yards against the Niners since week five. So, yeah, I don't, it's just, you know, maybe just through sheer volume, you could start Charbonnet, but brutal matchup. Need to see more. Geno Smith may or may not even play in this game uh, with injury. And if he, and honestly, if he doesn't play well, he might just get yanked. You know, they might look at it and go, okay, you know, between bad play, inconsistent play from Geno Smith and his injury, Drew Locke can end up getting inserted into this game at some yeah. point. Just for some life, just for some, especially if he's banged up, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't own anyone in San Francisco or in Seattle, so I'll take that game off. I do own Mark Andrews, and I wanted to ask you, because I remember before the year when when you and Bill were kind of talking big picture fantasy ideas, you're like, I'm not having a bad tight end this year. I'm going yeah. to invest in one of, you know, these couple guys, and Mark Andrews was one of them. He's been, the Ravens have been too good, honestly. And this is something you talked about last week with Lamar Jackson too. Like they've been game scripted out. So for Mark Andrews owners, what's the next step? Is it Isaiah likely is the backup. That's a player we know from college, but is that a viable option to replace him? Did he play college there? Was he, was he a Wisconsin kid? No, Isaiah likely was, I think coastal kid, the chance. Coastal oh, okay. Carolina. Right. I, I was going to say, I didn't remember him being, I was sorry. The way you referred to, him, I thought maybe you were yeah. really familiar with Isaiah likely from college. Um, Yeah. I think likely is sitting on a really nice rest of season. You know, Mark Andrews leaves behind seven targets per game. Most of those seven are going to go to likely who has the athleticism to run those Andrews routes. They really have to change up the route designations here. And it likely started a couple of games last year in place of Mark Andrews. Here's what happened in those two games. One of them, he got targeted 13 times, hundred yard game. The other one, he scored a touchdown. So he's going to face off against the Chargers, Isaiah Likely, a team that's allowed the third most tight end receptions, the second most yards, and at least 80 yards to the position in five straight games. So this is a is a great spot for Isaiah Likely. Got him way up at tight end six this week. So a lot of confidence that he's going to hit the ground running here. Did not go to Wisconsin, but I also had Goddard on another team, got hurt, and I replaced him with Jake Ferguson. He's like, all right, that's oh, a guy I know. Go. Very yeah, famously. Ferguson's been great, too. Yeah, Barry Alvarez's grandson, which is an anecdote that we've heard. What? Very, yeah, very simple. Did you know Julius Peppers played basketball in college as well? Kind of along the... <laughs> that I did know. Yeah, yeah. But I did not know about this Jake Ferguson-Barry Alvarez connection. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, as someone, you know, the Badgers... They've won games. They've been fine. They haven't exactly been a joy to watch the last couple of years, but we always had that anecdote, at least, that was it was being right. shared with us. Last thing, probably the best games of the weekend, Jacksonville-Houston. I'm more interested in Philly versus Buffalo. Buffalo's offense, they're too good to not round into form and pick it back up, right? And that includes Stephon Diggs and, and Josh Allen and a couple other of these players. Yeah, I, I, most likely they're going to – they're sitting on a big, big game here. Josh Allen, who really played last week – I, overall, in the totality of the season, Josh Allen has has been very up and down. Uh, but from a fantasy standpoint, he's been great. Rushing touchdowns in seven of the last nine games. I mean, you know what you don't. And I think casual fans don't understand is that Philadelphia's defense has got a lot of holes it didn't have before. They're still good against the run. They are getting roasted in the past. The last three passers to face Philadelphia have averaged 316 yards and three touchdowns. Slot cornerback's a big problem for them. Um, Darius Slay and James Bradbury aren't playing at the usual levels that they had been in, as at cornerback. So there is a, there's a lot of opportunity. Stefan Diggs, who's been just silent for the last, really like six weeks, um, but particularly the last two weeks, I think he gets right here against the secondary. 
I think so, too. I'm looking forward. I think that's my favorite game of the weekend. Although, you know, Tim Boyle is exciting. Former Packer, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm also... Yeah. <laughs> how, how... I don't feel bad for, for Bezos and Amazon, but they created a new game, and then they end up getting stuck with Tim Boyle on Black, Black Friday, which is... Well, it's their own fault. And by the way, if you don't know why, we have a Black Friday Amazon game, and I've only got a moment here, but let me yeah. just mention this. It's not a coincidence that the world's biggest online retailer is now asking everybody to stay at home on your couch and watch football rather than going out shopping. That's why we have a Black Friday game. Well, I'm not going to the mall when Tim Boyle is on, so it, it's working. It's it's a good strategy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Charge, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. Have an awesome Thanksgiving. And, and My pleasure. Thanks. Yeah. We'll talk to you in a week. Yeah, have a good one. Happy to have you back on with Bill uh, when Bill is back. Thank you, Paul Charchi and Guillotine Leagues. Uh, Tim Boyle, I'm not going to the store when Tim Boyle's on my TV. Are you Are you kidding me? This has been what I would have to imagine a, a massive success for Amazon. I don't pretend to like read the, the company reports and the budgets. And Amazon gave up this much money to carry NFL games, and they're making this much money back. Like I, I think Amazon can tool around and have fun in the sports space, and it doesn't need to be their primary um, revenue driver. Like Fox and CBS are, are paying huge amounts of money for the rights to broadcast these games and that's their revenue stream like fox is not also an online retailer right fox doesn't do billions of dollars of business in retail cbs doesn't do cbs and fox have to make money off of the nfl and and might be a reason that in you know five years that some of these actual these networks are priced out of the rights to carry live sports and it might go to google and to amazon and to apple we've seen a little bit of that excuse me shift already uh, I don't know if it will ever go that far, but there might come a day where Fox says this actually isn't this isn't worth it for us to pay for this money. Amazon right now, Jeff Bezos and, and company, they can spend a, a massive amount of money, but in their world, a, a, not a disgusting amount of money relative to the amount of business that, that Amazon does. It gets them into the sports world, gets them involved in different circles, kind of diversifies their company. I don't know how much money they are making or losing on NFL games, but it's not going to make or break the company as a whole. I can't imagine Amazon has been thrilled with the the quality, the performance of some of these games. I mean, the best game of the year could have been Joe Burrow and the Bengals streaking, trying to fight back into the playoff picture. The the Ravens, as awesome as they've looked and as great as Lamar Jackson and, and that offense has been. And then it falls flat because Joe Burrow gets hurt. Mark Andrews gets hurt. And then they have a standalone Black Friday game. And the Thursday night games are standalone. But the Black Friday, that's a unique window. Right, that's something different. That's something fun. That's something unique, and they're getting Tim Boyle, which is totally the Jets' fault, and it's totally the fault of Aaron Rodgers as well. I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come back. You cannot tell me that Aaron Rodgers behind the scenes is is not telling the Jets, "Don't bring in anyone. I'm gonna come back. Don't bring in anyone. I'm gonna come back," because I I do that. We know Aaron Rodgers. We've watched him long enough. We know him, right? He does not want Josh Dobbs to come in and capture the spirit and take over the season and become the new leader of the team. He doesn't want that. And I have no problem saying that. Like, I know I know that of Aaron Rodgers. We know him. And that's why we end up with, with Tim Boyle starting a, a quote-unquote nationally televised game, a standalone game, if nothing else, even though it's not on actual, you know, digital or, or over-the-air TV. Let's take a three-minute break. We'll come back. 608-321-1670 if you want to get in. Drew Kelly, WKTY, going to join us to talk some college football at 1230. 
UWL uh, Eagles having their round two game. I love talking about the WIAC as well. Uh, it's a cool brand of, of football and basketball. I love WIAC basketball as well. But that's coming up at the bottom of the hour. More of the Bill Michaels Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Everywhere you look, from groceries to utilities to gas, prices keep going up. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin can dramatically help lower your energy costs year-round by replacing drafty windows and doors in as little as six weeks. And now you can save even more by taking advantage of no interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Bring the love of Wisconsin's outdoors in through the beauty and quality craftsmanship of Pella Windows and Doors. Whether you're updating or upgrading the look and comfort of your home, Pella has extensive lines of customizable options to meet your needs and your budget. Replacing drafty windows and doors can dramatically lower your energy costs. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin offers some of the most energy efficient windows in the industry. 0% interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Set your free in home consultation today at PellaWI.com. How are we looking? It's the Bill Michaels Show. Cruising, flying. Through hour number three. Mike Clemens going to join us in hour number four. About an hour away, he is en route to Detroit. He's traveling as we speak right now. Packers line tomorrow at 1130. Should be a good way to start the Thanksgiving holiday. Just hope that it's a good game. That's all. all right, we're years removed from the Nadamakin Sioux stomp game. When the Packers were just expected to roll out the helmets and kick the tar out of the Lions every time they were lucky enough to play in Detroit on Thanksgiving. Tomorrow, lower your expectations. Have a glass of wine, raise the vibes, eat a lot of bread, and just enjoy whatever we get. And hopefully we get some points, we get some entertainment, and we get a game that's respectable. And if we get that, I'm, I'm going to be happy. My bar, my, my standard, especially without Luke Musgrave, without Dontavian Wicks, without Aaron Jones, good, good, good God. Like, the bar has been lowered. It will not be hard for the Packers to, to satisfy me tomorrow. Uh, so looking forward to that. Bucks celtics tonight. Been talking a little bit about that game as well. Wisconsin-Minnesota football on Saturday. Badgers fans, let's be, let's be honest. Look around at each other right now. Let's have a moment of accountability. All right, let's lower our guard. Let's be honest. Honest hour here. Are you more excited for Wisconsin-Minnesota or Michigan-Ohio State? If you could only watch one. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I thought. Uh, I, I, would, I, would, I would skip the next two to three. I won't say three. Three is a lot. I'd skip the next two Wisconsin-Minnesota games to watch one Michigan, Ohio State, especially with what's been going on with Michigan, the classic American trope of commit crime, do something wrong, get sad and angry and offended when people call you on it, play the victim, say that you're being picked on. It's the class. I mean, Michigan is America's team, and with all the drama and, and all the 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 lead in. Not to mention, both of these teams are awesome and vying for a college football playoff spot or two. Um, I'd much rather, much rather watch the first game. I might be just as excited about Nebraska-Iowa, the Ben Kenny uh, annual bowl, because that's the sickos, the sickest of sickos like games like that. Let's take a call. Drew Kelly going to join us to talk WIAC football, Division Three football, UWL in, in round two of the playoffs coming up on Saturday. So something a little different. Mix it up as we head into Thanksgiving. Why not? It's at least we're not drafting 
our favorite Thanksgiving foods. 608-321-1670. Welcome to the show, The Bill Michaels Show. Who's this? Hey, you got Dean and Lacrosse. How are we doing? Dean and La- Hey, it's been a while, Dean. What, what's going on? What what gives? What to what do I owe this pleasure? Well, I, I, I tried calling yesterday, but Tony in Texas totally filibustered the afternoon with his uh, poo-pourri. So uh, I gave up on it, but I knew that you needed some calls today, so I thought I'd fill something in. Whoa, um, needed. You, 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 you're talking about me like I'm a hack. I, I can stumble my way through radio, but I, I love much more talking with other people, and it's been a minute since we've talked, Dean, so I appreciate this. You're our legal consultant yeah, on, the, yeah, yeah. on the evening show. I'm not saying you're a hack. I'm saying I'm happy to contribute because I know it's the biggest day of the year for you with uh, all these people traveling. So. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, That's my, very my true, actually. My topic is yeah. – uh, Bitter, bitter Viking fan. I have two uh, airing of grievances for okay. this sacred season. Um, so the Broncos in the first drive against the Vikings blow up Joshua Dobbs and cause a fumble, and they recover the fumble. Obviously, they can't do anything on offense, so they only got a field goal. But Jackson, the guy who totally teed off on Dobbs, got suspended for a quarter of the season based on that hit. Yep. And yet, there was no penalty called and no review, no nothing. It was just, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll tend to that later. It's like if you had some grievance that you wanted to you know, go beat up the guy who wronged you, but you just have to wait until you're dead and then God sends it to hell. It's like, yeah, we want justice on the field as well as maybe eventually get the suspension too. Um, Viking fans get no love. Um, the other thing being the Bears had a 10-point lead with three and a half minutes against the Lions. And I think they lost by, what, five? It was just inconceivable how they lose that game, period. But somebody pointed out that the Bears uh, still covered the spread because when Joshua – or what's his name? Uh, Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. When he fumbled the ball and it turned into a safety, if the Lions had recovered that and gotten a touchdown, that would have pushed the the, uh, spread towards the Lions winning. So, anyways, my point is – from the Vikings' perspective, both of those were huge events in terms of their likelihood of winning the division, especially the Detroit game. And I think that the Bears' prime time on Monday are going to not be so obviously tanking as they were when they were like the fourth undercard uh, noon on Sunday. Yeah. So, you know, I think the Vikings got real lucky last year, but uh, now we're back to this bitterness can't get anywhere your team can your team just be normal do you ever do you ever feel like you just want your team to be normal either they're the most unlucky team in the league and they're losing games that they should probably win that was the case at the start of the season and then they get hot they start winning games on the other end of the spectrum they're getting all the turnover luck and last year you saw them get a lot of the luck to win how about just a normal year from the vikings wouldn't you sign up for that as a vikings fan well you pointed out the other day how it seems like the packers fans you may not have said it this way but there is another decibel level at Lambeau Field cheering for this sort of ne'er-do-well team, the Packers, this year. It yeah. seems like I've never heard the crowd be so into it. Um, maybe that was because of what they did against the Saints, but maybe it's just because, you know, they expect so little. The Vikings are that all the time. So that's why we have such rabid fans. I was going to say, I, I called in probably, you know, two, three months ago when the season was starting about Sean Payton and how I hope that he would just, totally dirt nap this season yeah but yeah i mean he is he is dirty 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 he was the one that uh, got suspended for a year for what he did to brett Favre, 2009 in the playoffs the katrina sympathy super bowl um sympathy yeah I, I think the vikings are still bitter from that and seeing uh 
Sean Payton still teeing off on our QB like that. You know, <laughs> he should be the one getting suspended, not Jackson. Hey, I want to push back on the idea that the Broncos have all of a sudden figured it out. I still think they stink. They're just winning games now with a little good luck. Like they got some good luck against the Vikings. I don't think you'd disagree there. I think they got some good luck in some of these previous wins as well. Like, uh, well, example A would be the Buffalo Bills the week before. I just the the Lions are like the Vikings in that I think they've been the same team the whole season. The wins and the losses have been a little bit misleading, but the Broncos are much worse in my opinion than the Vikings. I think. I completely agree with that, okay. and I mean if they're going to play dirty to get their wins, uh, you know, fine they'll get some extra points, but their whole team will be suspended by the end of it. So go for it, guys. Yeah, and at what cost? At what cost do you want to win these games? I, I agree, Dean. You, how about how about this as a topic? Do you think Sean Payton should be suspended every time Jackson is suspended because of his tracker? Well, I think. Yeah, <laughs> he well, and, and he is ultimately responsible for the actions of his players. Jackson has been such a dirtbag for the longest time because when he got thrown out of the Packers game, Dean, and I talked about this at the time, like I went on Twitter and looked at replies because I figured like, oh, this is soft. You're throwing a guy out. And the, the replies and the tweets about him were overwhelming. Dude, screw that guy. He sucks. Like, I don't even care what rule they use. Just throw him out. And then he appeals this suspension, which is four games, and the league quickly goes, no, no, no. You're serving all four, which almost never happens. Like, they almost always take a game or two off, and that's factored into the original number. Not at all in this case. Well, the guy's like 36. I mean, this has not been a track record for the entire career. It's just this season. And what's the difference, Sean Payton? And again, I say that being a bitter Vikings fan who, you know, went through it in 2009 when they lost, you know, quotes under the word loss. Um, <laughs> I, I would say that Sean Payton is the only thing that's uh, caused him to become such a dirty guy. So. Hey, uh, last thing. You're our legal analyst uh, on my, my show in the evening, if I could tap your knowledge. I've, wa- I've watched my share of suits. That's true. Well, yes. Well, and when I heard that Michigan was filing originally for a TRO, I, as, as a, fr- a friend of, of the show Suits and an understander of legal nomenclature, I t- temporary restraining order, obviously, of course, step number one. Why did why did that not ultimately go through, do you think? Do you think Michigan just said, actually, we'll take the three-game suspension. We don't want to proverbially take this to trial. Is that why that went down the way that it did? Uh, I'd have to look at everything. I, I, I think when I see these types of pleadings, there are typically a lot of uh, exclamatory language just to try to, you know, get the clicks on, oh. the, on the, you know, as far as the actual legalese, I think that Jim Harbaugh is in a position that he can be pretty freely suspended unless there's some sort of a union, uh, you know, trump card that they can come out of nowhere and say, oh, no. And I, so I don't think there was much grounds to stand on. It sounded like the suspension was coming from the Big Ten. Yeah. And so I don't know how they have any real authority to suspend a coach. Usually it'd be the NCAA or the team. And the team usually does it like provisionally, almost like when, um, oh, Ray Rice, when he got, you know, in the elevator in Las Vegas. Yeah. I think they just put him on leave. And oh, yeah. And also Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson as the best PR guy in the entire league. That's okay. who Jim Harbaugh should hire. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would think that they would have just said as a team, hey, we know something's coming. We're just going to suspend the guy. I I didn't think the Big Ten had the authority to do it. But, um, okay, this, this is me not looking at any of the documents. I think that it's just a really, yeah, it's, it's a really explosive situation and – Going to court is apparently enough to huff and puff and get people to shut up. So, well, you know, you don't want to get tied up in court. This is what I see on the TV shows. Well, I, I'll go to court. It won't cost me any money. All this is my job. But do you want it? You know, just that that kind of classic. Uh, well, and I, I think and the NCAA isn't precluded from still suing or not suing him from suspending him in the future just because there was some resolution between Michigan and the Big Ten. 
so that could still be coming. Um, but yeah, I, I made fun of Tony in Texas for poopery. I've just gone off on five different tangents, but <laughs> I did want it to be about uh, yeah, <laughs> Vikings bitterness and Sean Payton is the uh, object of my irk. So thanks. That's okay. Yeah, I appreciate you, Dean. Have a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, you do it. Lawyer Dean and lacrosse listening on WKTY. And speaking of our lacrosse affiliate, WKTY, we have a soft spot, obviously. Drew Kelly, a, a man that I've worked alongside for years and years and years, calling UWL games, basketball, football, uh, lacrosse central on Alaska, Holman, a, a lot of really cool athletes, a lot of really cool teams and cool seasons. He's been there as the voice of, of so many of those games, and he's been the voice now uh, of UWL football for a couple of years uh, following in the steps of of, le- of the legendary uh, Mike Kearns. And, and Drew's going to come on and give us a little bit of a lowdown about the Division Three playoffs, UWL in the season that they've had, and and just, I don't know, break things up a little bit. We do a lot of Packers, Bucks. Let's, let's talk some local college football in the state uh, and, and the WIAC, a conference that has a team in, in many of our towns and, and affiliates, is something that I think unites us all to, to a certain degree. And I know a lot of us went to these schools, so it'll be cool to, to touch on that. It's the Bill Michaels Show, Drew Kelly, WKTY UWL football next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Michael's show. How we looking? Appreciate you hanging out today. My name is Grant Bills. I am the lowly producer of this four-hour program every day. Bill lets me have fun, handle the show when he's out of town. He took off early for Thanksgiving, headed out east to see some family. Bill will be back on Monday. Look forward to that. We'll have so much to talk about. Bucks Celtics, Badgers Gophers, Packers Lions. Wisconsin basketball putting together a nice week. Is there another basketball team in there? state i feel like there's another team we should be talking about having a really good season winning some big game who oh uwl football yeah on our lacrosse affiliate wk2i division three had a massive win they're up 52 to nothing last week over minnesota morris and i recruited an old friend old buddy old co-worker old pal drew kelly who's the voice of uwl athletics on the flagship of UWL Athletics, our affiliate in lacrosse, WKTY. I spoke with Drew last night, actually recorded it. Here's our conversation. Drew Kelly is here, voice of local sports on WKTY and the voice of the UWL Eagles football team. They had an unbelievable season. They're having an unbelievable season, and they just knocked off Minnesota Morris. Drew, what was the final score? 70 to 10, 60? It was 52 to nothing at halftime, right? Yeah, 62 to 7, the final. Um, it was 35 to nothing after the end of the first quarter. So it was basically name your score. You know, yeah. they pretty much brought in the third and fourth string after that. But uh, yeah, a dominating win, obviously, in, in round one. And that was something that they needed to get out of their mouths, was the bad taste of the lost to Wartburg uh, in the first round last year. And I know that that was a big motivation coming into the season. Uh, and the fact that they were able to get to round two, I know meant a lot to the guys. So tell me about the, the D3 playoffs, because you have these imbalances in the first round, because you have these teams that, that got in by way of automatic bid, right? And, yep. and winning a conference, you know, fill in your, fill in your blank, the, the Southeastern Sun Honey Hole Conference versus, I mean, getting fourth place in the WEAC, like there's a great imbalance there. So you see a lot of these upsets, these, you know, 62 to seven scores in, in round one of the, the D3 playoffs. This isn't uncommon, right? 
No, it's pretty it's pretty common. There's no question. I mean, when you take a look at what UWL was able to do a couple of years ago, um, they were an at-large bid uh, at eight and two. Ended up playing Albion College from Michigan. Uh, at that point, set the program record for playoff uh, points, which yeah. was 58 to 23 at that point. And that was a team that had won a conference, and you beat them by 35. And again, it was one of those situations where it wasn't that close. Um, and so, obviously, every conference isn't created equal. So it's tough for you know, me, I'm looking at, you know, scores from Minnesota Morris. They're beating teams by 20, 28 points, and then they get on the field with UW lacrosse, and they are not on the same stratosphere yeah. uh, as far as talent level. And, uh, you know, you take a look at some of the bottom teams in the WIAC, and you're thinking, I, I think they could probably beat Minnesota Morris if they line them up right now on the field. Yeah, and, and coaches understand this. Like, I've talked to sure. Division three coaches, and, and – you know, they get it. They're like, yeah, we need to weed out some of these teams. Or like, A coach is not going to tell you, well, all these teams, you know, if you just get in, you're obviously a good team. Like, this is this is understood that this is kind of yep. how the first or second round goes. So as we go along, you know, we weed out some of these teams that don't belong on, on a playing field with, with some of these elite teams from better conferences. Let's go back, though. You said UWL's been an at-large bid. They've been a really good team. This is the year they finally put some things together. What has made this UWL team different than than maybe previous teams that you've covered? You know, it's been interesting because you take a look at the last couple of years under Coach Janis, who's, you know, 28-6 and six, uh, in his career so far since he's been head coach. He's just uh, had a remarkable uh, tenure so far. All three years under him have been in the playoffs. And really the only difference these uh, last two years to this year was the fact that they beat Whitewater. You know, this has been kind of the M.O. for UWL this entire tenure under Matt Janis, the fact that they're going to go eight wins, nine wins, scheduled tough competition in the non-conference. They lost to Harden-Simmons. Um, a D3 opponent uh, in week two of this year. So they're not afraid to go out and schedule tough opponents and get them ready for the WIAC season. I think the most interesting thing about this team specifically is the youth. I mean, when you take a look at the two deep roster going up and down, whether it be injuries or guys just stepping up, it is loaded with freshmen and sophomores, uh, Grant, in in this team. And I think when you take a look at what happened last year, they were so loaded as far as a senior class. A lot of those guys came back for their fifth years using COVID eligibility, obviously, um, and a lot of those guys left. And so I think if you would ask him, honestly, I don't know if they thought they would be in this situation, just given how much youth uh, was on the roster, how many guys they had to uh, replace in the starting lineup. Uh, and it's just been an incredible story based on some of those guys that have stepped up when you didn't expect it. That's not something that lots of, of people would assume. You'd think, well, this is the year everything's lined up. All the seniors and juniors, the upperclassmen are coming together, but not the case. And and that's a testament to Coach Janice, or or it must be. You tell me, what's Coach Janice sure. like? What are you know what are what are his pillars of coaching a football team? What makes him a successful coach, and and how does he coach this team? Yeah, well, he's just he's a great guy. Number one, you know, obviously getting a chance to interview him every week. Um, he's really fun to interact with. Uh, obviously, is um, a guy that knows how to get the best out of those players. Um, You know, it's one of those uh, hard balances between commanding respect in a locker room and being able to relate to the players. And that's something that when he was hired uh, back in 2019, um, I think everybody in that program wanted him to be the head coach. There were obviously a few finalists, but he was one of those guys that was still young enough. He can still relate to the players. He can still have fun. He can still joke around. There's a snarkiness about him that I love. Uh, But he obviously is going to command respect because he has done it at a high level as a defensive coordinator, as a position coach, um, and obviously knows what he's doing and obviously has created a great staff around him uh, to help him out. But, uh, you know, I think it's just uh, the combination of him knowing his players and what makes him tick and still being able uh, to command the respect uh, for them to go out and basically run through a wall for him. 
Yeah, and obviously he's not the only coach on the staff. You know, Andrew McGlenn is a guy who, who's getting nods um, for assistant coach awards and, and, and stuff like that. He's not the only one, but he took over for, for Mike Schmidt kind of – not out of nowhere, but I didn't know that much about him. And yep. it's, it's interesting. He's very, he's very energetic. He's very lighthearted. He's not someone when I've interacted with him that takes himself too seriously, which I think no. plays well to, to maybe athletes at division three. These guys are just, I mean, they're just nuts. They're nuts. They love football. <laughs> they love being around football and to have a coach that kind of oozes that I think makes a big difference. Tell me about Kaiser Helterbrand. He's had an amazing season. He was the WIAC offensive player of the year. Tell me about him. What have you seen? What's he like? Yeah, definitely the you know the straw that stirs the drink, so to speak. Um, a guy that has uh, over 3,000 yards uh, on the season, both rushing and passing. He was able to write the program record last week uh, in the Minnesota Morris win, um, as far as yards accumulated uh, solely you know through him or responsible from him. And uh, 28 touchdowns, throwing nine rushing. And it's interesting because when you take a look back last year, they had a two quarterback system. They would literally switch out quarterbacks. Uh, every other possession. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a 60-40 balance. It wasn't a 55-45. It was a 50-50 split between reps. And obviously Kaiser was more of a rushing quarterback. That's what he was going to do when he was brought in. You knew he was going to go with the uh, quarterback draws. He was going to be the read option type quarterback. And you saw that he could throw, but he wasn't really required to throw all that much. And then he tears his ACL in week number nine last year. And you wonder how is that going to affect his athletic ability? Does it change his game at all? And what I think you've seen now is that he can do everything. He can make every throw. He can go deep. He can go intermediate crossing routes. Uh, and he still has the athletic ability. When Grant, when they have third and four and they need five yards, it's going to Kaiser Helterbrand every time. And yeah. everybody on the defense knows it's going to him, and they can't stop him. He's just that guy that basically lets everything fall into place with everybody else. Uh, and it's really been a lot of fun to watch him develop as a quarterback uh, here this season. You've covered UWL football for, well, geez, I, I don't know how many years. I'm not going to put that on you, but you've seen, now. yeah, yeah, four seasons now. You've seen the, this from non-conference to conference to postseason. You've seen this all before uh, um, at, at differing levels of success. Did you ever think you'd watch a team go undefeated in, in WIAC play? That seems like an impossible thing to do in sports. Yeah, no, it's it's insane. It's you know, it's obviously called you know the Southeastern Conference of of D three football for a yes. reason. I mean, every week is just a gauntlet trying to get through these teams. And when you take a look at how they did it this season, every win outside of maybe a couple, every win was different. You know, Stout they were up by three scores. They had to hang on for dear life and, and win by four points there. Then you go to Whitewater and that was just an all time classic back and forth affair. They get the fifty one yard field goal. Platteville twenty one seventeen, completely different game. Uh, needed to created a bunch of stops in the fourth quarter to be able to hang on there. And then you take a look at what they did against CW River Falls, up 31-3, to then you blow the lead uh, as River Falls has such a great offense, and then you need a blocked field goal, uh, and you get it done to win it at the buzzer. So, I mean, they've just won in so many different ways. And I think, you know, you had mentioned this on your Twitter, how there's uh, people so jacked up that they're uh, sponsored of a – you know, medical uh, medication, things of that nature. We saw that on Sunday with the Jardians things. And, yeah. You know, I, I could probably be a spokesperson for several different medications, just given the fact that, you know, this team has just put me through the ringer yeah. uh, as far as uh, broadcasting games. But uh, it's been a heck of a lot of fun. And obviously, you'd rather have that as a broadcaster than, you know, what we saw, quite frankly, this past Saturday with, you know, 52 nothing at halftime. Yeah. What was it like calling that walk-off field goal? It, at at Perkins Stadium at Whitewater, that had to be. Now, I don't want to assign the the best moment of your career, maybe your favorite call of your career, <laughs> but that had to be very close to the top, if not the top. 
Yeah, well, there's no question. I, you take a look at what that what that team had done against Whitewater the past three times, you know, since I started broadcasting them, and every game had come down to the last yeah. two minutes, essentially. Um, and so it was one. It was a situation where, you know, in lacrosse we get an opportunity to cover a lot of different schools with high school and uh, football and basketball, but it was almost like I went from freshman to senior year. I'd been there for four years and I saw how painful those whitewater losses were mm -hmm. and I got invested, you know, and it was such a, a fantastic moment. And the fact they hadn't beaten them since 2004, uh, I told uh, my color commentator, Terry, I'm just like, if there wasn't glass ahead of me, uh, I would have fallen out of the booth. <laughs> that, that's basically the reaction that I had. And I, I told myself one thing, don't swear beyond yeah. that. I just blacked out and it, you know, ended up working out, but uh, that was obviously incredible, and, and then the blocked field goal at River Falls, uh, that was completely uh, unexpected. So they've given me a lot of great moments this year. Yeah, and it's been it's been a blast to watch. Before I let you go, tell me about this Saturday's matchup. Aurora comes to town. That's Aurora from Illinois. The, this time of year, the yep. D3 playoffs is interesting because you got schools from, from everywhere at all different levels. Half of them you haven't heard of unless you're a diehard for for D3 football, but that game is at noon on Saturday on WKTY and all, all, all of their video streaming channels. And if you have any thoughts about, you know, the postseason moving forward and, and you want to lay that out for us, go ahead. But let's start with Saturday. Yeah, so for Aurora, 11-0 uh, on the year um, and five games, they put up over 60 points. So obviously they have offensive weapons. Really, the big thing that's going to be interesting to watch for is that last week, uh, starting quarterback Tyler Atkins is his first game ever. They had an injury with their normal starting quarterback. Uh, he was... Uh, starting his first career game in the playoffs, uh, had thrown four passes the entire season up until last week. Uh, he did turn it over uh, three times, so that's something that UWL might be able to take advantage of, the fact that he's not as experienced as what I know Aurora thought they would have coming into this game. Um, but then the fact that uh, you also have a pretty good running back as well, um, Jaquay Tretton, 1,300 yards, 17 touchdowns. So I don't expect 62-7. to I think it's going to be a lot bigger of a battle uh, for UWL uh, coming up this week. That's good. Give the fans some, a reason to be entertained. Last Saturday was boring. Uh, it was, that was too easy for the fans. Drew, I appreciate you. Have a great Thanksgiving. And, and as far as this UWL team goes and into the D3 playoffs, we will be following. Thank you so much for the time. Always a pleasure, sir. As Drew Kelly, you can watch UWL football this weekend uh, on WKTY. Go to WKTYsports.com. Uh, you can download the WKTY Sports app on your phone. Uh, or, or actually, you can download it for your smart TV as well. It's a really slick way to watch all of their local sports, but specifically UWL. Drew and Terry will be on the call, and that game is on at noon. So I know a lot of our lacrosse listeners who maybe follow the team or alums who follow the team, maybe they're traveling. You don't have the opportunity to to maybe go to the game this weekend because you're out of town and you're traveling. WKTYsports.com, just click video. Uh, I believe John Snop's Tree Care Service, Lacrosse Beer House, which is a sponsor of of uh, of my program from four to six, big supporters of UWL football. So super easy to watch. If you want to get two screens going, Michigan, Ohio State, UWL, and, and Aurora, uh, that's Illinois. I'm sure there's many Auroras around the country, but that matchup will be at noon on Saturday. We appreciate Drew and thank him for his time. Okay, let's take our final break of the hour. We'll come back, wrap up hour number three of the Bill Michael Show next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The all-new Potawatomi Casino Hotel has something you gotta see. Play more slots and games, and you could say, show me the money, to reveal up to 10 grand each Thursday. 800,000 in prizes is up for grabs. 40 winners each week. This October and November at Potawatomi, Milwaukee, when you're ready to win, just say, show me the money. 
More info at PaysBig.com. Must be 21 years old and a club member to play. Wrapping up hour number three of the Bill Michaels Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisconsin Grant. You call the show to 608-321-1670. Should have some time to take some calls before Mike Clemens joins us at 1.30. He's on the road. He's a traveler. He's headed to Detroit for Packers Lions tomorrow morning. Maybe we could spend the next half hour talking about exactly what we expect in this game, what we hope to see, what we want to see, what would make us feel good, what would make us feel bad. Like, what outcome tomorrow would make you respond and say, you know, God, we had something good going after the Steelers and the Chargers game. Now all that goes down the tubes. Right? I, 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 even if the Packers get blown out tomorrow, that doesn't take away the positive progression that we've seen against the Steelers and against the Chargers. It doesn't move the team backwards. I don't think this Packers team can go backwards. I just think they can stay where they are with a bad game. But what are you hoping to see tomorrow? When you turn on the game, as you're getting ready for your Thanksgiving lunch or Thanksgiving dinner, it's Packers-Lions at 1130. Luke Musgrave isn't going to play. We can talk more to Mike Clemens about that. Uh, Dontavian Wicks with a concussion, not going to play. Aaron Jones, who's got a jacked-up knee, going to be day-to-day, but he's not going to play tomorrow. This team's going to be without some guys. What do you want to see tomorrow? What are you hoping to see? What do you expect to see? What would be positive progression for our Packers, even if it doesn't mean a win? We can talk about that next. Mike Clemens, like I said, only about a half hour away. Great show so far. Still a full hour. There's still so much we have to hit. Let's let's get serious about this Packers game. We'll take your calls, 608-321-1670. Twitter as well, at Wisco Grant. Final hour of the Bill Michaels Show. We'll talk Packers and Lions next. Hour two, two minutes away.